Season 2, Episode 2, December the 20th, 2021. Hi, I'm Louis Lampton. Welcome to this special edition of Journey of Discovery. In this episode, we will encounter a biblical throwback to 400 B.C. At that time, Malachi gives a strange prophecy. He will prepare the way before me. Now, along the way, we will discover who the he is. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 to 4 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord, says Yahweh of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like full of soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to Yahweh. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to Yahweh, as in the days of old and as in former years. Our passage for the day was written by Malachi in about 400 B.C. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 again says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Regarding this phrase, my messenger, Dr. John MacArthur reminds us that it was a custom, don't miss this, it was a custom of the Near Eastern kings to send messengers before them to remove obstacles to their visit. Employing a wordplay on the name Malachi, which means the Lord's messenger. The Lord himself announced he was sending one who would clear the way before me. This is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, says Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. And he's the Elijah of Malachi 4, 5, who comes before the Lord. The New Testament clearly identifies him as John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, Matthew chapter 11, verse 10 and 14, and Matthew chapter 17, verse 12. Matthew chapter 3, verse 3 says, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, quote, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Matthew chapter 11, verse 10 and 14 add, This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. 
so also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Matthew chapter 17, verse 12. So in the Old Testament, the messenger of Malachi 3 and Malachi 4 ends up being John the Baptist. He will not, however, come on the scene until after at least 400 years later. You may have noticed or heard the text say, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Why then does he say, whom you seek will suddenly come? To come suddenly does not mean immediately, but instantaneously and unannounced. It, it usually referred to the calamitous event. For example, in Isaiah chapter 47, verse 11, we read, But evil shall come upon you, which you will not know how to charm away. Disaster shall fall upon you, for which you will not be able to atone. And ruin shall come upon you suddenly, of which you know nothing. And also Isaiah chapter 48 verse 3 adds, The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth, and I announced them, then suddenly I did them, and they came to pass. Christ follows hard on Christ. The whole land is laid waste. Suddenly, my tents are laid waste. My curtains in a moment. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 20. So when all the preparations are completed, the Lord will come. The word temple in the passage does not mean Zerubbabel's temple, nor partial, nor impartial, even Herod's temple that we read about in John chapter 2, verse 13 to 24. But finally, to that millennial temple which Ezekiel describes in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48. The unexpected coming of Christ, partially fulfilled at his first advent, will be accomplished in full at his second coming. Matthew chapter 24 verse 40 and 42. And so our passage also speaks of the messenger of the covenant. Probably not the messenger just mentioned, rather because this messenger will come to his temple. It is most likely then a reference to the Lord himself, the one who has the authority to reward or judge his people on the basis of their faithfulness and to his covenant with them. And so the title may reflect earlier to Old Testament references to his angel, which is literally messenger. Exodus chapter 23, verse 20 to 23, and also verse chapter 32, verse 34, and Isaiah 63, 9. Again, our passage highlights another insightful response to God's part, or on God's part, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. 
Now, this is likely sarcastic. These sinful people were not delighting in God then, nor were they when he come or when he came in judgment on their hypocritical worship and cleansed the temple. You will see that in John chapter 3, verse 13 to 25. All of the ungodly will be destroyed at his return. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts, says Yahweh of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? The Apostle John's answer that question thusly. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That was true then, and that is true now. And so our thoughtful reflection comes from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. It says, Come, everyone who, is, who thirsts, come to the waters, and he will, and who, who has no money, come and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Folks, that is a picture of free salvation. You don't need money. You don't need works. You don't need to be religious. You don't need to try harder. Just come. And of course, you cannot come until the Lord warms your heart, until he opens your eyes, until he wakes you up. But when you come, you will discover that salvation indeed is free. Well, that's it for now. I'm wishing for you an amazing day. Rejoice and be glad in it. Good day. Season 2, Episode 3, December 21st, 2021. Hi, I'm Lewis Lampley. Welcome to this special edition of Journey of Discovery. In this episode, we will learn more about the forerunner of Jesus. The text says he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Malachi 3 again says, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way for me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord, says Yahweh of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord, to Yahweh. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing 
to Yahweh, as in the days of the old and former years. The passage before us has to do with John the Baptist's ministry of preparing the people of Israel for the coming Messiah. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temper, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says Yahweh of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a finer's fire, refiner's fire, and like full of soap. The prophet Malachi is graphic in describing the Lord's coming. Notice chapter 3, verse 2. His coming again is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. In other words, instead of bringing rewards, his coming is likened to two purifying agents fire to burn off the dross, and alkali to whiten, an indication of the true condition of their hearts. The fire will burn off the dross, the dross of iniquity that is more impurity. The soap will wash out the stain of sin. His coming will be one in which he removes all impurities. No one will escape his cleansing. Importantly, he will come purifying and, and cleansing, but not necessarily destroying, according to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25, and, uh, and of course, Ezekiel chapter 22, 17 to 22. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi. Now, why the specific mention of purifying the sons of Levi? Since the Levitical priests were instrumental in leading the nation astray, and a new group of pure priests was required for the work of the millennium king, kingdom or temper. And the cleansing of the nation will begin with them, starting with the priest. They then can present to the Lord what is righteous as called for in the millennium sacrifices based on Ezekiel chapter 45. And so this passage adds also offerings in righteousness given from cleansed hearts in a right condition before God. Their offerings will be in righteousness, the text says. Now, these millennial sacrifices will be a memorial for the redeemed nation of Israel, commemorating Christ's sacrifice at the cross on Calvary. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to Yahweh as in the days of old and as in the former years, Malachi 3, 4. Here is the central truth in our passage. Then the offerings will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old 
and as in the former years. That is, only after the priesthood is pu is purified or purged, and when the people are cleansed, will they be able to offer what's pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of Solomon, Second Chronicles seven, as in the days of Hezekiah, Second Chronicles thirty, as in the days of Josiah, Second Chronicles chapter thirty-five. And as in the days of Ezra. Now, fast follow with me in your thinking to Malachi chapter 3. That we will see how John the Baptist prepared the way for the first coming of Jesus. The text says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to, to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who want you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you God is able from these stones to raise up unto children for Abraham. For even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. So every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sanders I am not worthy to carry. So he baptized you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's what he will do. His wintering fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Dear friend, if you sense the call of God on your life to repent of your sins, there is good news. Good news. Because repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his or her sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, does with grief and hatred of his or her sin Turn from it to God with full purpose to strive after new obedience. That's available to all unbelievers. In the book of Matthew, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Now, there is an echo of the first beatitude in this passage that says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom 
of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to note that this is an open invitation to all, to all who hear, but phrased in such a way that the only ones who will respond, who we're here, and respond to this invitation are those who are burdened by their own spiritual bankruptcy and the keeping of the law. The keeping of the law. The stubbornness of humanity's sinful rebellion is such that without a sovereignly bestowed spiritual awakening, all sinners refuse to acknowledge the depths of their spiritual poverty. Now pay close attention to Matthew chapter 11 again, verse 27 to 28. That is why Jesus says in verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. In other words, John said in Matthew, in John chapter 14, no one comes to the Father but through me, that is through Jesus. And so our salvation is a sovereign work of God, but the truth of divine election in verse 27 is not incomparable with free offer, with the free offer to all in verses 28 to 30. 11, 29 says, you will find rest. That is, rest from the endless, fruitless effort to save oneself by the works of the law or by good works or being religious, etc., etc. Now, this speaks of a permanent respite in the grace of God, which is apart from works. Here is the appeal. Flee the wrath of God and run to his son for forgiveness and life. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him or her. John chapter 3, verse 35 and 36. Oh, how sweet it is to possess eternal life. I hope that's your lot. I hope that's your lot. My thoughtful reflection comes today from 1 Corinthians chapter 30, chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse 30. It says, because of him, now follow this, because of him you are in Christ, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us three things, wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. All of that comes from him. None of that comes from our struggle. None of that comes, none of that comes from preaching, belonging, belonging to an assembly, all of that comes from God because the text says Jesus became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Well, that's it for now. 
I'm wishing you, as always, an amazing day. Rejoice and be glad in it. Good day.